Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, Ontario's government faces the highest daily infection numbers since the pandemic began. They're deeply concerning. And our health officials are telling us that Ontario is now in the second wave of COVID-19. We know that this wave will be more complicated, more complex, it'll be worse than the first wave we faced earlier this year. Former Federal Health Minister Ujjal Dosanjh calls the global response to COVID-19 a colossal failure. Patty Haidu, the health minister, has been very quick to say that the decision to wind down this network was not a political one. It was a, an administrative one. But it does, it may explain to some of the chaos we're seeing within the public health agency. And Jagmeet Singh speaks out on the safety of politicians after being accosted on an Ottawa street. I do believe we've got a culture of openness in Canada, which is special. Lots of folks that I know from countries around the world see a massive barrier between themselves and elected officials because there's this presence of a big security detail. And I feel like the ability to approach your elected officials is important. But there is, a, there is a balance we have to strike with the safety and security. People should be able to do their work without fear. It's Tuesday, September 29th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by Susan Delacourt, columnist for the Toronto Star. Susan, thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me, Mike. We have seen an increase in numbers in Ontario and in other parts of the country. Uh, what do you think about where we stand with the coronavirus and what measures are going to need to be taken in the days ahead in different parts of the country if this trend continues? Well, it, it is very interesting to see. It is probably the most depressing lineup of um political statements we've seen ever since the Prime Minister went on TV and basically cancelled Thanksgiving last Wednesday. So, And what we well, we saw Doug Ford up yesterday saying that um, this second wave is going to be worse than the first. That was depressing. Francois Legault in Quebec uh, basically doing another lockdown but not calling it that uh, in that province. All told, it tells us that we are not in the recovery that we had wanted for the winter. We are in relief again. And you are seeing all the governments now talking about how they're going to have to roll out additional measures. I was really intrigued yesterday watching John Tory in Toronto, and he he came to the press conference carrying a quote from Krista Freeland that she had asked him to to uh, to tell his audience in Toronto was that the throne speech mentioned more relief and more aid for businesses in trouble, uh, particularly restaurants who are uh, enormously concerned. So what we're talking about is the government not doing anything by way of recovery. We're talking about many, many more months of trying to keep people's head above water through a very long pandemic and and no sense that um, that a vaccine is on the horizon or any any kind of end to this is on the horizon. Now, in the meantime, it's going to be an interesting day on Parliament Hill because the Liberals are going to move to shut down debate on their bill that relates to uh, billions of dollars of, of pandemic-related spending. Uh, what do you think about the politics around this? Because obviously the opposition parties have to be very careful not to appear to be thwarting much-needed relief from getting to the to the people who need it most. 
Yeah, it, it, for all the slowness of the pandemic, <laughs> you you wonder why this is. Uh, uh, things are moving at Parliament Hill sometimes at uh, at record speed. It, 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 there are all kinds of questions raised about why this. You know, Parliament was prorogued in August, and all of a sudden there's this urgent rush. Why couldn't Parliament have been sitting for the last month and and do this in some kind of timely fashion? But I think the 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 legislation and the measures to uh, handle COVID probably are moving as quickly as the pandemic is. And I don't know that anybody really anticipated it was going to be this quick. I, an interesting division has emerged in the kind of opposition we're seeing in Parliament, which I'm watching really closely. It does seem like the Bloc and the Conservatives are talking about federal provincial matters and government to government matters. You know, that um, that um, this is a national unity issue. Uh, the federal government should be giving more to the provinces. On the NDP side, uh, they're talking more about individuals and, and people there. So what we basically have is there's, there's an opposition focused on government to government problems and there's an, one party focused on government to individual problems. And I actually think as the pandemic wears on, I think we're still going to be talking about individuals and businesses more than we're talking about federal provincial spats. I, I think that the bloc's opposition and the and the conservatives' opposition focused on what the government is doing for the provinces is is not going to. I can't imagine. Canadians are worried about which government is paying yeah. for their health care at the moment. Yeah, in fact, I think there'd be a very low appetite for hearing uh, discussions about jurisdiction at a time like this. Um, yeah, we're, it's, the constitutional battles are going to have to come later. Yeah. Uh, former health minister and former British Columbia premier Ujjal Dosanjh uh, made some comments recently that the global response to the pandemic in some ways was a colossal failure. Uh, what do you make of those comments and, and what lessons might arise from uh, from his insights into into how the world responded? Well, it looks like he's on to something uh, that um, was first, I give some credit to my competitors, uh, the Globe and Mail uh, reported on this in the summer. And it's, it's a bit of a complicated uh, bureaucratic thing, but he knows the inside of government. But it looks like something that was set up inside the government uh, in the 90s uh, to sort of an, an emergency alert system, the Global Public Health Information Network. It looks like that inside the government, uh, within the public service, a decision was made to focus more on domestic issues than global ones. And... Um, we know that this is not a great idea, given that this is a global alert, that that um, had that been in place, we might have been better warned, is what Dosanjh is saying. But I was intrigued to see how Patty Haidu is taking this seriously. And the, her answers to, on this uh, to questions to reporters and to other politicians has been that she has launched a review into it. And it, the, we won't see the review for six months. But Dosange is saying something that the government has recognized is uh, a bit of a, a problem inside. It, the government has been, Patty Haidu, the health minister, has been very quick to say that the decision to wind down this network was not a political one. It was a 
an administrative one, but it does, it may explain to some of the chaos we're seeing within the public health agency, um, you know, the departure of one of their, their top people. All right, let's turn to another story. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh was confronted on Wellington Street in downtown Ottawa, not far from Parliament Hill. And this has raised the question, and he spoke about this yesterday, of the level of security for federal politicians and leaders. What do you think about that? I think everybody has been concerned about this for a while, and that the, 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 the way the temperature has risen uh, during the pandemic has people concerned. There's a lot of frustrated, angry people out there. Um, there's a lot of frustration and anger out there, and often that gets taken out on politicians. But uh, a Radio Canada reporter, too, was accosted last week on the Hill. I think there, I, I live in the neighborhood of Rideau Hall, where the neighbors here are still shaken by what happened there this summer with the armed man coming into, I put in air quotes, talk to the prime minister. Um, so I... I think we've got to have a conversation about this. I don't think we we can be uh, we can hide from the fact that that there is the pandemic itself. Never mind what we see happening down south and you know um, how crazy things have gotten in the United States. I, I think that has all fed an atmosphere here where everybody is is a little more afraid and and we all feel a little more vulnerable, including politicians. Now, speaking of the political climate in the United States, I know you were talking yesterday a little bit about Canada and the United States, and it's five weeks until Election Day in the U.S. There's a big debate tonight between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Uh, What's your sense of, I know you've kind of been reading between the lines a little bit uh, as a a follow-up to Justin Trudeau's remarks to the United Nations last week. What's your sense of, of how closely Canada is watching and, and how this Liberal government feels about what's going on in the U.S. right now? Oh, I, I think everybody is watching it really intensely, not just for entertainment either. I think Canada and this government feels like a lot hinges on things. And you, you, you see, when you ask questions about timing to federal government officials about, you know, various measures they're taking that have anything to do with the United States, you get the impression that everybody is waiting until after November 3rd, because there's certainly a sense, not every Canada-U.S. problem will be solved by Joe Biden, but certainly a Joe Biden administration would be far more friendly to Canada. His campaign manager is a former advisor to Justin Trudeau, uh, spoke at Liberal Convention, um, and Biden himself uh, urged Justin Trudeau to carry the torch of the liberal international order. And Trudeau's speech to the UN on Friday was loaded with terms that um, that a Joe Biden would like, uh, uh, and, and also things Trump wouldn't like, which is how uh, the United States, uh, Canada feels the United States has turned its back on the world. So um, I bet, you know, there's a lot of voting going on tonight in the House of Commons too, but I bet there's going to be an awful lot of watching television tonight too to see how Biden does. And although they can't cross their fingers in public for his victory, I think they're, they've got their fingers crossed behind their back. All right. It's going to be a very interesting day. Susan, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Mark. That's Susan Delacorte, columnist for the Toronto Star. We know that this wave will be more complicated, 
more complex, it'll be worse than the first wave we faced earlier this year. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. At National News Watch, Glenn Pearson looks at the second wave of COVID-19 and writes, Perhaps we were fooled by the graphs we saw every day showing curves flattening. It turns out the experts predicted things correctly. We're moving back into the thick of it, and we're left to wonder what comes next. But we have earned the right to be subtly smug in this great drama. We have placed evidence above politics and health above recklessness. We should take a measure of comfort from our caution. In the Toronto Sun, Mark Bonacoski considers the dilemma of raising taxes when we're tapped out. Bonacoski writes, How much is the deficit today? now that hundreds of billions have been spent to shore up the economy and subsidize the unemployed from the havoc plagued by the coronavirus. No one is really certain, but the number is huge. There is only one place to go when a government wants new money to tackle the debt, and that's the taxpayer. There's the rock, and there's the hard place. Being caught between them is always scary. In the Toronto Star, Kate Bazanson, Andrew Bevan, and Monica Lissick argue a national childcare system is key to Canada's capacity to recover and rebuild. They write, Without a plan for immediate support and long-term system building, women will be the first out and last back to work. This will impact thousands of households and lead to stunted economic growth and increased poverty for women and children. Canadian women's labour market participation has already reached 30-year lows during the pandemic, threatening to reverse... A generation of gains. Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. As we've discussed, the government's COVID-19 benefits bill is in the House of Commons today, and the Trudeau government is hoping to get it passed through the Commons and to the Senate by tomorrow. CPAC's Martin Stringer has more on what to watch for. Mark, Bill C-4 is aimed at Canadians who have been relying on the CERB benefit, but who will now be transferring either onto EI or onto a new benefit. Three quarters of the recipients who had been receiving CERB are being transferred or will be transferred to EI. But the other quarter will qualify for something called the Canada Recovery Benefit. One version of the benefit applies to the self-employed or workers in the gig economy. Another version is a benefit for people who are caregivers. And a third is a shorter-term benefit for those who are sick or self-isolating due to COVID-19. Now, Jugmeet Singh and the NDP are pleased with the legislation because no one will now receive less than they had been receiving under the CERB. And the sick benefit, the NDP says, now constitutes a federal paid sick leave. The NDP's support means the government should be able to fast-track the bill. That means that the entire legislation process can be done in one sitting day, as has been done for other pieces of COVID legislation. The government is hoping to get that debate started that debate started later today, and it will go into late evening and most probably finish only in the early morning. The end result, if all goes according to the Liberal government's plan, would be for the bill to be ready for the Senate on Wednesday. Thanks, Martin. Also today, the Prime Minister will chair the Cabinet meeting before speaking with the Prime Minister of Japan. He will then take part in a follow-up meeting of the United Nations high-level event on financing for development in the era of COVID-19 and beyond, followed by a joint news conference with the Secretary-General of the United Nations and the Prime Minister of Jamaica. This afternoon, the Prime Minister will attend question period. The Parliamentary Budget Officer will post two new reports, one on the economic and fiscal outlook for September 2020, 
and another focusing on Canada Emergency Commercial Rent Assistance. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Tuesday, September the 29th. Tune into Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.